Welcome to Dominion Cast, the official podcast of the Creative Dominion. I'm Josiah. And I'm Devin. And today we will be talking about Star Wars Episode Six: The Return of the Jedi. Um, but before we talk about that, uh, just a couple things before we get started. Um, one, we have Instagram now. So we That's actually correct. have two. We had an Instagram for the website, just didn't really keep up with it because I was busy. But now I have more time, so I've been able to... Yes. Keep up with that one, make it make it a little better, but then also create one for Dominion Cast. So the Creative Dominion one is at the Creative Dominion on Instagram, um, and then Dominion Cast is at Dominion Cast. They were both open. I was kind of I was kind of happy about that. On <laughs> Gmail, they weren't open in order to make the email, which I was kind of concerned That's about weird. because I'm like, what? Who? Who is doing Dominion Cast as their Gmail? That doesn't make any sense. Right. But huh. there's a workaround with that. Not that it matters right now because <laughs> that's not relevant. Uh, but yeah, come follow us on there. Um, share the podcast with your friends if that's uh, the way you want to do it. It doesn't really matter to us as long as it gets shared. Uh, we want to have as many options as we can so that way you can be able to share it with the people you want to share it with. Um, two, I don't even know if anyone noticed this. Uh, I haven't been called out on it yet, so I'm going to clarify it now before <laughs> people start to hate my guts. Right. So last episode, whenever we talked about Empire Strikes Back, I mentioned that Empire is the first time Luke uses his lightsaber. And what I meant by that is where he decided to use that in order to like you in order to help establish his identity as a Jedi. It was his decision, that was how he decided to do it, and he had to use the force and had to become more of a Jedi in order to do it. Hmm. I remember later that in episode four there is another scene where there's the scene, like I said, at Obi-Wan's hut where not Jabba the Hutt he does not own Jabba the Hutt at his what a twist house hut (laughs) what a twist Um, and he was waving it around whenever Obi-Wan showed it to him then there's another scene on the Millennium Falcon and he's using Obi-Wan has Luke practicing deflecting bolts with a droid my statement still holds up though because in both of those cases it was not Luke independently making that decision. And at the first one, yeah, Luke decided to turn it on, but he wasn't using it. He was just curious. He was just like, what is this thing? I want to see it. Mm-hmm. The second one, Obi-Wan was using it as a teaching moment. And in the end, Luke was frustrated for a little... Like, he was getting frustrated, and then he put the blast shield on or whatever, and it was a teaching moment for Luke. But he did not independently decide to do that. In right. episode five... He uses the Force for the first time, mm-hmm. and is, to use his lightsaber for the first time independently by himself. Correct. So, in my opinion, that still holds up. So, you can dispute that if you want, but I think it still holds up. I don't know about Devin. It does. But mostly. M- mostly. <laughs> sure, it makes sense. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a technicality, but you're technically right. Right, and at least at least I caught it and I corrected myself. Mm. So yeah, hopefully hopefully that clears anything up. Probably no one else noticed. <laughs> I'm hoping no one else noticed it, but I'm, but hey, I'm fixing it now. Integrity's a thing. Right. Well, apparently. Right. I guess that's what I was feeling whenever I decided to clarify this. Right. But without further ado, uh, I'll hand it over to Devin, and he'll do yeah. the opening crawl. Yeah. Really excited to talk about episode six. It's where you can kind of start to tell that he didn't plan the entire trilogy out from the get-go. And while it works a lot better here... Flying from the seat of their pants, episode six is definitely the one where you start to see the cracks of that. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and read the opening crawl. Star Wars, episode six, The Return of the Jedi. 
Luke Skywalker has returned to his home planet of Tatooine in an attempt to rescue his friend, Han Solo, from the clutches of the vile gangster, Jabba the Hutt. Little does Luke know that the Galactic Empire has secretly begun construction on a new armored space station, even more powerful than the first dreaded Death Star. When completed, this ultimate weapon will spell certain doom for the small band of rebels struggling to restore freedom to the galaxy. Alright, so... Again, the opening crawl. Good job, Devin, by the way. Thanks. Um, the opening crawl is iconic. And it basically just says, what Luke and his friends have been doing brings you up to speed. This one doesn't necessarily give a recap of what happened. Correct. This one just says, okay, it just builds off the fifth one. So it's not like it's saying, oh, we're going to baby you now. We're going to, okay, if you're watching this movie, you're dedicated. If you're watching this movie, you've seen the other ones. So we don't need to remind you. So, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after that, the movie opens with Vader. Um, and this is where we start to see really the trend of in every single Star Wars episode movie, not necessarily the stories. And the stories, they kind of do it too. But in the episodes one through nine, they all start with a ship over a planet. That's just an aesthetic thing, I think. That's a choice, and I and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was also something that was interesting. So, hmm. um, and then there's foreshadowing about the energy shield on Endor, which is very small, but it is something that I that I thought was worth taking note. Of. So whenever the shuttle approaches the, it, it starts with a ship, like they're like I think that's the Executor, his super star destroyer, Vader's super star destroyer. And then his shuttle comes down and starts to go towards the second Death Star. As they're approaching, they have to, one, get clearance. Mm. And they, two, have to say, okay, bring down the energy shield. And I'm like, we're yeah. like, okay, what's, what's the energy shield? That's not, that wasn't there for the first one. Mm-hmm. Even the Millennium Falcon, when it got taken in, you don't see or hear any mention of an energy shield. What does that mean? But it's, it's quickly, as quickly as, as it appears, it disappears. Because now we're focusing on Vader. And then he... Gets off the ship, meets the guy in charge, and he says that, you know, we're not making any headway because this is too much work. <laughs> Vader's like, too bad, double your efforts, because the Emperor's coming and he's going to bite your face off because he's not as patient as I am, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting tactic that Vader used. It's like, hey, you know how patient I am. <laughs> and the Emperor is even less patient. <laughs> That's true. So, hmm. yeah, that brings us um, up to speed for... That, and then you can take from uh, uh, yes. Jabba's Palace. Then we jump over to Jabba's Palace, and oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. I, I never... Okay, before you start, yep. I never really questioned this whenever I would watch it as a kid. But we do now. I, we do now, because and this oh is our gosh. job. It's, it's such a mess, oh, but dang. you don't realize it until you really start to think, wait a minute. <laughs> this This... Does this make sense? I don't think so. Anyway, you go ahead. So, in the special editions, the re-released versions that Lucas did after the fact, Jabba's Palace is pretty much the same at first, but then there is the extended musical number, which Mm. exists in the movie for some reason, and it, it doesn't need to be there. And that's all I have to say about it. It may seem like we're skipping ahead, but we're getting it out of the way. Yeah. Because it does need to be there. 
And we'll probably talk about why it doesn't need to be there, but just so you know, we maybe, don't like that. Maybe we won't. And even even in the original, I think there was a musical number, but even in there, it didn't need to exist. There, it doesn't need to it be there. It doesn't... It it just... That, it's, that is all. <laughs> why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it's there. So, ignoring the uh, less than stellar musical number... We're going to hop in and talk about Luke's plan. So well, Jabba, just dissect this for a minute. Jabba the Hutt has Han Solo, right? Mm-hmm. He has him in Carbonite there at Jabba's palace. And, you know, that's fine. If that's how you want to start the movie, rescuing Han, that's a good good thing. You need him. So the deal becomes, how is Luke, how's Luke going to rescue Han? Well, he does a couple things. And I want us to stop and think about all of them. And try to piece Funny together Luke. what on earth was Luke's plan. So first off, he sends Lando there, undercover as a spy. Lando works as a guard there for months. You think, okay, so Lando's going to break Han out, obviously. Well, no, that'd be too easy. So after getting Lando in deep undercover for months, he sends 3PO and R2-D2 as gifts to Jabba the Hutt. And just gives it, gives them to Jabba. Well, the only thing this accomplishes is making sure that they have to rescue both droids as well. <laughs> so I don't quite understand why he did that. Ugh. Next, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Leia shows up as a disguised as a bounty hunter mm-hmm. with Chewbacca, mm-hmm. and then she surrenders Chewbacca. To job of the hut. Mm-hmm. So now Luke, in his brilliant plan, stations one guy undercover for three months, who by himself is capable of breaking Han out. That's like a year. But Luke has decided that he wants to give not one, not two, but three extra prisoners to job of the hut. So now his job is to break out four people. Uh... What is his brilliant plan? Well, his brilliant plan is to have Leia later that night sneak in and rescue Han. Well, it doesn't work, and she gets captured. But let's imagine for a moment she had. The droids are still there. Chewbacca's still there. And Lando's still there. Was Lando supposed to get the others out? If so, why why were they turned in in the first place? What's the signal here? Like, how does Lando... How do they know that there are contingencies? How does Luke... Is it, like, just Leia doesn't return? So he's like, well, I guess I better go. Right. Like... It's, like... What if the plan had gone well? What if if Leia had gotten Han out? Well, then the problem becomes they have to get Chewbacca out. Well, why did they give Chewbacca to Jabba the Hutt? Well, I don't know. And neither do you. Neither does George Lucas. (laughs) He doesn't know. None of us know. (laughs) The best part, though best part so after leia gets captured so by the way luke has managed to turn a one prisoner situation into a five prisoner situation somehow that's impressive that's utterly oh my gosh you're right he turned a factor of five one increased it by 500 (laughs) percent luke made this 500 percent worse what is luke's brilliant plan he he walks in the front door to jabba's palace right he goes up to Jabba and he says, hey, 
I need you to release Han, and also the droids I gave you, and also Chewbacca, and also Leia. Uh, and I was thinking this is his lucky day, and now this guy is just like, you gave me two of them. <laughs> right. And now you want them back? That's his whole plan. And oh, the kicker, Luke doesn't have his lightsaber. Why doesn't he have his lightsaber? He gave it to R2. In a deleted scene. Who he gave to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> so Luke is standing there without a weapon, having given Jabba four more prisoners, and he has the audacity to say, hey, man, release all of them. And Lando is there as a guard the entire time. Please tell me, what does it sound like his plan was? Does it make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me. No, at all. It, it just, I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, okay, who knew what? Right. So it's like, what, did Leia know the entire plan? Did, does Lando know what's going to happen? Like, was, was, was it Luke's plan to give C-3PO and R2-D2 over to Jabba? With his lightsaber. With his lightsaber, which is, still baffles me. And then have Leia disguised as a bounty hunter to get with Chewbacca, to get him, to give Jabba um, Chewbacca. And then she goes to rescue Han, then gets captured. I'm just trying to do this. I'm thinking of this just so that way he can use his lightsaber. Right. If he's thinking, okay, this is actually going to be useful to me. Okay. And then she they get captured. And then he's going to walk in hopefully gets captured and then put then hopefully they go somewhere to where r2d2 can be on the high ground that way he can fire his lightsaber up in the air and that way he can catch it and then do something cool it's almost like the plan was revolving around a cool moment with luke's lightsaber instead of actually making sense as a plan (laughs) okay i'm gonna try to defend this plan just for a second because i because i don't because i don't gonna be good i don't want to only criticize the plan and then not try to see why what was going through their mind. It's a bad plan. So I'm trying to think of like, okay, so let's say number one, it's to kill Jabba as well. I do not see motivation for that. Mm-hmm. There's no motive. The only reason why Luke gave him multiple chances. I have no doubt that if Jabba would have been like, oh sure, here's Han. What if Jabba had decided, you know what, I'm gonna take the droids and give him hot. Well, then they still have to rescue the droids. Then they still have to rescue the droids. So, so then what has in, been won here? They're back at square one. They're back at square one. At best. At, he, at best. He loses his lightsaber. At best, he loses his lightsaber and gives Jabba another prisoner. Two Wait, prisoners. Right, another prisoner. Yeah. So now Jabba has one more prisoner than he started oh, with. Oh, you're right. You're right. And he has Luke's lightsaber. That's the best case scenario here. That's assuming that Jabba trades... Han for the two droids instantly. So, but the only thing I can think of is that Luke... And who is he going to trade Han to? There's no one to pick Han up. Right. Is he just going to throw Han into the desert? That's what he would have done. And then just been like, hopefully he finds him. So the best case scenario is Han gets thrown into the desert blind. And Jabba has both the droids and Luke's lightsaber. That doesn't make sense to me. Right. No, it doesn't. I don't think that's a good plan. But then you have to think about, okay, in that case... Does Luke willingly send in Leia, knowing she's probably not going to make it out? Mm-hmm. Like when you think about it, he had a plan for what he was going to do whenever he waltzed in. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like he had a plan because whenever he finally waltzes in, he force chokes a couple guys, does a mind trick on Bib Fortuna, the big snail worm guy, 
Yeah. It, not really snail, just like a worm. It's almost like his plan was to give Jabba a bunch of prisoners and then do a mind trick on Jabba. Which, which why didn't did work. Give him a bunch of prisoners. But then why did he... It's So, my first thought, which was stupid, was, was, that, uh, was that he didn't want Jabba to know that he was a Jedi. But that doesn't make any sense, because... He tries he, mind tricking. He tries a mind trick on everyone. him, and they forced. I don't know if he knows about force choking the guards, but yeah. and then he definitely forces a blaster from one of the stand st- people standing by mm-hmm. to do what exactly? To shoot Jabba, and then just think that they would not have any retribution for him, right? And then he just, you know, C three PO tries to warn him that he's standing on a platform that yeah. gives way, and you go down a pit. Mm-hmm. Which, if we go back to the music scene. That is the only thing that it does. And we talked about this, that like that's the reason why the scene is there, but is it necessary to be there? Uh, it's not necessary to foreshadow the Rancor, because if you just look at the scene where Luke falls into the Rancor pit, it's more than sufficient an introduction. Mm-hmm. Right. If you just... It's almost like the surprise element would make up for any sort of like, oh, this lady gets eaten by something, we don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, that's all it does. It kind of just like, okay, Jabba has something. But other than that, it really doesn't do anything. And then if you add a surprise element to it, where that's the first time you see it, then that could have kept in the deleted scene with Luke. Right. At the beginning, there's a deleted scene with Luke finishing his lightsaber. He puts it in R2-D2, and then the next... Or I think... Was that the beginning of the movie? I think so. I think that was the beginning of the movie. And then um, the Vader stuff would happen next, and then it shows R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. I think that's how it worked. Which then they would have had to do, do some other weird ship over planet thing. And even with that scene included, it's still the issue of there's no reason for Luke to give R2 his lightsaber. Right, there's no reason. Even if it's brand new. It doesn't make any sense. Unless, the other thing I can think of is that Luke doesn't think it's going to work. His lightsaber. Because he's just built it. He, I don't think, uh, I don't remember in the latest scene if he turns it on or not. But I believe he does. He does turn it on? I think so. There? Okay. Well, in that case, that doesn't hold up because he knows it works. Yeah. So it it just doesn't make any sense to me why the plan. Nobody knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone had their own plan. Right. Like it's... and they made them independently of each other. Right. C three PO. I understand why our, like Luke didn't tell C three PO about the plan because he would just blabbed about it. Yeah. And he's confused the whole time, but that's where that's kind of good. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. I just don't think... And it takes up 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it does. This nonsense plan takes up the first 40 minutes of the movie. And mind you, Jabba and all of his goons do not show up past the 40-minute mark. Mm. It'd be one thing if it was like, say... Guardians of Galaxy 2? Guardians of, yeah, Guardians of Galaxy 2 is exactly what I was going to say. Oh, good. Yeah, where like the first 20 minutes of the movie, about half this time, is spent on the... Um, Oh, shoot. I don't remember their names. The golden alien race people. I don't remember. Yeah. You know what You're I'm talking about. You're the one who really likes the movie. Uh, yeah, it's one of my like favorite it. movies. I don't remember the obscure alien race, though. Anyways. Th- they are in, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then they appear as a minor threat for the rest of the movie. If Jabba's guards or his soldiers or his thugs had reappeared later, like in the Battle of Endor, that would have been really cool. Because then it would have redeemed the first 40 minutes of the movie. As it stands, there's no reason why the first 40 minutes of the movie couldn't have just been the end of episode 5. Right. Like, it doesn't add anything to episode 6, per se. Hmm. It's the Sovereign. That's Sovereign. 
Cool. So, to qualm all the people who are... Yes. Calm all the people who are yelling at us right now. Right. Um, so, just, it's a mess. It's interesting um, that, you know, Luke does listen to C-3PO whenever he's like, Hey, Luke, you're standing on something. That's all he gets out of his mouth. Right. And Luke just doesn't care. And then he fights the Rancor, which is cool. He doesn't do what he does without his lightsaber. I guess maybe the creator's motivation, George Lucas's motivation, whoever wrote it, was like, hey, he can do stuff without his lightsaber. Because he's going to use his lightsaber literally the entire rest of the movie. But he doesn't. Well, why showcase him without his lightsaber if he's not if he's just going to use it for the rest of the movie? Right. But then, but he doesn't. There's a couple scenes where I'm like, okay, why doesn't he use, use his lightsaber? Mm. Like during the speeder chase. There's yeah. a few times where we're like, why doesn't he use his lightsaber? He could have easily done this, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, um, which would have been epic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're not going to be able to make sense of this plan. There are a couple more facets of the plan that I want to point out. Okay. Just because I want to hammer home just how nonsensical it is. <laughs> okay, hey, go ahead. So, I love this. All right, so let's say that Luke didn't have his lightsaber on him because he was afraid he'd be confiscated. Okay. Well, Lando's a guard, so surely he can get it. Like, I don't think that'd be a problem. Mm -hmm. Then Lando could give it to him. Then C-3PO and R2 aren't needed for the plan. Mm -mm. So, let's think about what his plan entails. Let's assume that he was super intentional. Well, R2 doesn't give him the lightsaber when he's in the Rancor pit. Mm -hmm. Then, after he kills the Rancor... Jabba decides, he's just killed my special person-eating monster. What should I do with him? Any any smart crime boss would just, like, shoot him, right? But no, Jabba decides, I'm going to take him to a different special man-eating monster of mine. And we're going to see if this one works. So the beginning plan of the movie has not one, but two man-eating monsters of Jabba the Hutt. It's all contingent on Jabba's decisions. The Rancor and the Scarlet Pit. Right. So, did Luke tell R2, hey, he's going to throw me to the Rancor. Don't give me my lightsaber then. (laughs) But then, when he takes me to the Scarlet Pit, which is the exact same thing, but a pit instead of a big walking bear thing. farther away from where we started. Right. (laughs) Then throw me the lightsaber. (laughs) Like, what instructions could he have possibly given R2? That made him not throw the lightsaber the first time, but did the second time. It's like he's predicting what Jabba's going to do before he does it, but he doesn't know Jabba that well. degree. It's like, maybe Han could have done something like that. It's like having Luke? the ability to end a game of chess in four moves, and instead you end it in 27, <laughs> and you're like, look at how I predicted my opponent. <laughs> look at my foresight. Oh my gosh. Like, why does Jabba decide, oh, my first monster didn't work. I'll just try another one. Why not just axe him off in any other (laughs) meaningful way? Why bother with another monster? I don't think there's a reason. Oh, there's no... It it doesn't make any sense besides I don't think that they had any more ideas for the rest of the movie. Okay. That's the only thing I can think of, even though I think (laughs) we have a few ideas for what they could have done for the rest of the movie. Yeah. But... I guess, I guess they didn't have them. I've officially finished making fun of the plan now. I've said everything I wanted okay. to. Other than, there's a really obvious scene when Luke just gets his lightsaber and Boba Fett's flying around. And Luke tries to kick this guy. <laughs> and he misses by like a solid foot and a half. 
and the guy still reacts. I'll find the timestamp. It is. We'll find we'll find the frame where it's like it's hilarious, guys. He's, oh. he's like a solid foot and a half from his face, and the dude just screams so and flails funny. backwards. It's Should it's hilarious, all, but it does. Man, I mean, we're not gonna be able to make sense of the plan ever. It's it's just not possible. No, but I do want to talk about the droid torture chamber. Yes. So so mixed in between the the nonsense <laughs> plan is this logical scene that Josiah will describe. This gem. Yes. Oh man. So as soon as okay, so C three PO and R two D two come up to the the gate thing uh, from Jabba's palace. They go in. C three PO R two D two tells C three PO, "Okay, we have a message for Jabba. Okay, we have a message for Jabba. Only Jabba can hear it." They go to Jabba. And it's Luke saying, hey, you can have these droids, we just want Han. And C-3PO's like, what the crap? This is, mas- this is my master, what is he doing? And um, Jabba says, nope, we're keeping the droids. <laughs> and they get taken to this room to be given their assignments and to be fitted with restraining bolts if needed. Um, as soon as they walk in the door, you have a gonk droid that is being turned upside down. Okay, and there's another creepy-looking droid who has this lever, and he just keeps pulling it down, and these burning hot metal plates are coming down and, like, burning the, the droid's feet, and, like, steam is coming out, <laughs> like blood or something. I don't know what it's supposed to be. This is Yikes. not... I, I remember watching this as, like, a kid, and I'm like... I was scared of it, for one, because I'm like, this, this droid is, has, like, a piercing scream. And then, for two, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And then there's another one being torn limb from limb, <laughs> and right. then another and another one equally screaming. Right, and then there's a droid who kind of gives them their assignments and tells everybody, "Okay, this is where they're going to be." That's yeah. kind of like his purpose. But yeah, so this scene never made any sense until we started talking about it. Yeah, and I whenever it still doesn't make any sense. It's still okay. So nonsense upon nonsense for the first forty minutes of the movie. Right, I'm going to try to make sense of this. And we'll see how much it makes sense of it because I was okay. thinking about it, and I think I have a way that this could possibly make sense for the entire Star Wars universe. So, okay. humans and their body have a nervous system. Right. Okay. We feel pain, we feel heat, cold, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, it serves as a warning as well as an indicator. So, really, all your nervous system is for is to indicate something danger for pain, heat and cold for possibly pain, but also, hey, this is hot, this is cold. So, and it serves us well. We stay away from danger. Mm-hmm. We do, we uh, know when something's hot, when something's cold, and that can be helpful. Um, and it helps people like our parents or our friends or whatever to keep us around, right. <laughs> to keep us safe and everything. If you're going to create droids, you want them, if they're working by themselves, to know whether or not they're in danger whether something's hot or whether something's cold. Mm-hmm. Because the cold probably isn't good for some droids. The heat, extreme heat, isn't good for some droids. And pain, which is something that like you know could stab them or something or cut off their leg, is something that wouldn't be good because they're supposed to be performing a function and they can't do that if one part of their body is gone. Yeah. So in order to do something like that, maybe the manufacturers of the droids were like, okay, we need to put something inside of these droids like we have that indicates danger, heat, cold, all that kind of stuff. So they don't put in pain. They put in something that has that has a in, it's just an indicator. 
But the only way that they know how to make it relate to humans, to where if a passerby who had never seen a droid before all of a sudden has this droid that's screaming or something, <laughs> like battle droids in uh, the Clone Wars, where they like sense danger, like they they can be scared, they can be all that kind of stuff. Mm. They just give them human emotions, reactions, and thoughts to better relate and become more intermingled with yeah. humans and aliens. Hmm. It may fall apart the digger you deep, but the deep, more deep you yes. dig, digger you deep. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Took me a second. <laughs> but um, I think that it does hold up. But. <laughs> That means... Alternatively. But that means that the Star Wars universe just got a whole lot more morbid. <laughs> like, like it just got a lot more morbid. Because I don't think all droids have it, mm-hmm. personally. I don't, I don't um, because there's not always a purpose. Yeah. If a droid working on Mustafar doesn't need to feel heat. It really yeah. doesn't. Um, but let's say C-3PO, you know, he may need to because his primary purpose is to be alive and serve his master. Yeah. So that would be the only thing that makes sense mm-hmm. to where that room instills fear. Um, and it also says, hey, we can make you feel pain. <laughs> but the only way that they know how to express it, maybe the pain isn't necessarily physical. It's just the droids don't know what's happening to them because they're being over their server. Their uh, sensors are being overwhelmed. Kind of like, you know, whenever we get hurt and like in pain or something where it's like such a big burn, you don't really know how to react because your body's overloaded. Yeah. In their case, it's just screaming. <laughs> just uncontrollable screaming. Hmm. Um, that's the only thing I can... Um, that's a pretty good defense. For that's nonsense. the only thing I can think of. Good defense. Um, maybe, to where, maybe it's less nonsensical now. Maybe. I don't know if it holds up or not, but I was just thinking like, okay, what would be the manufacturer and creator's minds of these droids? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, I don't think Lucas was thinking about that. He's just like, you know what? We're just going to torture some droids. <laughs> this is a kid's film. We'll add teddy bears at the end. It'll be fine. Right. Um, that was a long way to say that that's probably not what it is, hmm. but it is a theory that I that I thought of. So Not bad. Well, uh, I guess we won't see how it works out. Right. But there's one, there's one interaction between Han and Luke, though, that's priceless. Whenever... Luke has just killed the Rancor and Jabba's calling them all in mm-hmm. and Luke says Han and Han says Luke and they have a conversation and uh, Han goes how are we doing and Luke's like same as always and Han's like that bad huh <laughs> like he just knows like they're in danger yeah that that seems always priceless to me because <laughs> again they do such a good job of portraying their relationship their past their past experiences with each other yeah. in one sentence and uh very true. I thought that was interesting. So it does do some good things. Yeah. That it does have benefits, but mm. so does like every scene in a movie, unless it's a dead scene. Right. But anyway, mm. I'm done. I'm done nitpicking this. Yeah. We're almost thir- we're like thirty minutes into this, Damn. talking about a forty minute scene. So Honestly, we're almost as bad as they are. The, <laughs> <laughs> the job of the hut stuff is like half the movie, though. I know it's only forty minutes, but it feels mm-hmm. like half the movie. Okay. Oh, and I did want to mention one more thing. So as we're talking about this. Um, we've been throwing out random timelines um, because that's what I thought it was. Um, but we did some digging, and this is an official canon, but everywhere I've read kind of has these uh, uh, mm. different times. Mm-hmm. Um, so in between episodes four and five, there is approximately, approximately, quote-unquote, two to three years in between that time period. Again, yes. this used to be canon, but since Disney took over the old canon, we don't know if that's true or not. It was mm-hmm. in the EU, the extended universe. 
Um, and then there is one to two years in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I'm leaning more towards less than a year, just because of the way it all works out. Yeah. There's no way Lando's there for two years right. without being found out because Boba knows who he is. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. He would have had to have stayed completely undercover without Boba noticing him for a year. That's also unlikely, oh, in my boy. opinion, because he goes by Boba a lot. Utter nonsense. Anyway, anyway, I'm Anyways, done. I'm going to call it good. All of that to say, they constructed the second Death Star in about four years, because mm-hmm. apparently it was commissioned immediately after the first Death Star's destruction, like mm-hmm. the same day. That means that they built the first Death Star in, what was it, 24 years? Something like that. Something like that. Seems that if we have the timeline right. Over 24 years was the first Death Star built, and the second one was built in about four years. And believe it or not, there actually is an explanation that mm-hmm. makes sense that works very well. Well, first of all, I know you're going to you're gonna you have a one about anyway. I have a little bit different one. It's short. Yeah. It's just that in the first one, they had to make it in secret. Right. That's one thing. Uh huh. Um, the second one, not as much. So yeah. you have another explanation too. But yes, the first one was in secret. The second one wasn't as secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Death Star was created at a time where they needed more military. They needed more control over systems, not blowing entire systems up. So the first Death Star was always competing for resources with other divisions, like weapons divisions, building Star Destroyers versus building another wing of the Death Star. Very difficult to send all of your funding, time, and energy onto a project that hasn't been tested. That being said, the first Death Star also, as Rogue One shows in multiple extended universe stuff, that there were multiple different stallings from the inside and sabotages to the original Death Star that slowed down the construction considerably. Oh, right. right. For the second Death Star, they were recreating the station from older plans that had been perfected, and it was clear, based off the first Death Star, how effective it was. So now there was no question about its effectiveness. They had the plans finished. And all they had to do was copy it. And this time, since everyone had seen how effective it was, everyone was able to hop onto it immediately. Mm-hmm. So there is a justification for why it was built four years after A New Hope instead of 24 years. Right. Neat detail. I found it noteworthy. Right. I had always wondered about that. So I'm like, they built that one really fast. It's not completed. Right. But it's... The, and then... And you that know, lends credence to it as well. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, I remember uh, watching episode three, and at the very end, you see a skeletal, skeletal, I can <laughs> never say that word, skeletal structure of the Death Star. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, so you mean 19 years later, they just finished it? Mm-hmm. And then Rogue One kind of fills in the blanks there, and then it got slowed down and stuff, which is which is interesting yeah. um, that they decided to add that detail in. Um so, after they leave, they, oh, um, Leia kills Jabba, um, Luke finally launches his rescue plan, um, they win, they leave, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> right. They leave, they, all you need to know is that Han's back. Right. That's the only thing they need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go their separate ways. Han, Leia, uh, Lando, Chewbacca, R2-D2, C-3PO go to the Rebel Alliance fleet, mm-hmm. and Luke and R2... Oh, I think I said R2 went with them. R2 goes with Luke yeah. to Dagobah. And again, it's been like one, two years in between Empire and Return of the Jedi. So Luke had told uh, Yoda, hey, I'll come back. 
after I faced Vader. Right. Well, he got sidetracked with trying to rescue Han, which is understandable. So Luke gets there, and he finds that Yoda has aged considerably. Like, you can mm-hmm. see it. He can. He sounds like it. And it's almost like he was only staying alive long enough to, to give Luke what he needed. Yeah. Because he seemed completely fine in episode five. But in episode six, he just went really downhill, like, really fast. He said he was sick. That's interesting. Right. Okay, yeah. He got, he's sick. Yeah. Yeah, so... But it was weird timing. Yeah. Um, first thing Yoda kind of does is just laugh in Luke's face and make <laughs> jokes about how whenever Luke's yeah, 900, it's... he won't look as good as Yoda does, which I thought, okay. It's probably true. It probably is true, because he'd be a carcass. Right. <laughs> um, just like Yoda was. <laughs> let's see. Um... Whenever Luke says, I am a Jedi, Yoda just laughs. Right. That's what I like. <laughs> that he acknowledges Luke does not have enough training to be considered a full-blown Jedi. But what he says is that you have all you need to defeat Vader. Huge difference. Huge difference than in a later Right. Huge difference trilogy. than in later movies where the Jedi pass on all they know. Quote-unquote like, all they know. In like two days. <laughs> we passed on all we know. Who's we? But we're not going to name any names. Well, of course we... Why would we ever name any names? Right. Right. So, after Yoda passes away and turns into Stardust, <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan appears as a ghost, and it is a very good scene. I like it a lot. But with it comes the nonchalant reveal that Leia is Luke's sister. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like that. <laughs> Um, there's no real reason for it, if you think about it. Like, the movie does not significantly change if they aren't siblings. And all it does is make the past movies super weird. It's one of the worst instances of this movie writing itself into a corner. Mm-hmm. You can make the argument that 4 and 5 are really good and 6 is less good, but I think 6 is just where the writing caught up to them. Like, they had to pay off Jabba the Hutt because 4 and 5 built him up so much and then they wrote Han into a corner by being sold to Jabba the Hutt that's why the first 40 minutes of the movie have to deal with that mm-hmm. I feel like they didn't know how to resolve the Luke and Leia stuff so they went the easy route of oh well we'll make them siblings the easy route of just be related like it's like they didn't want to resolve the love triangle in an interesting way so they were just like, oh, what's the simplest way we can have them never get together and have it not be questioned by anyone? Mm-hmm. That being said, though, it doesn't really make sense. Like, the movie doesn't change. Vader doesn't have an interaction with Leia that's different because they're father and daughter. Leia doesn't have any substantial sibling interactions with Luke. It legitimately does nothing. There's one but scene complicated. Previous stories. So there's the scene on the Death Star mm-hmm. where Vader invokes Leia and it sets Luke off. Right, but that doesn't. That's not because she's his sister. That's what Vader says, but if Leia hadn't been his sister, it still would have set Luke off. If he had. If he. If Vader had brought up Leia for some reason? If he said, I'm going to go after Leia when you're dead. Well, I feel like that would have set him off but too. Th- I don't think that fits in with the tone of the in- their entire relationship to this point. Their entire point is Vader wants to save Luke in his mind. Turn right. him to the dark side. That's the only way to save his life in his mind. Mm-hmm. Luke wants to save Vader. 
Right. The only way that they can really make it still be in with within the tone of their relationship is if they bring up another family member. Because if he just brings up Luke, that he let. Oh, sorry. I'm not. I don't have my thoughts in line. Um. So if Vader, just Vader's not cruel. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Vader is not cruel to Luke. So he would not just bring up, um, Leia unless the Emperor is like yelling at him. I mean, across the room. I think Vader could have said something like, look, if you join me, you can save your friends. But if you don't join me, I won't be able to protect your friends. Like, if you join me, we can kill the Emperor together, and then we can save your friends. But if you don't, the Emperor will kill them. Something where it doesn't put Vader in a cruel spot. Right, but then how would... Why would Luke lash out at Vader? That's a good question. That doesn't make any sense. See, I'm just saying, the the writers could have found a workaround. Mm Mm-hmm. If I'm just trying to think of what comp- workaround that would be, though. But see, it's not worth the exchange. It's not an equivalent exchange. Right. Only it just, because it makes past movies weird. It makes their relationship weird. And then it's this thing of it doesn't add anything to this movie. Right. Yeah, I it just think... stuff to subsequent movies, but... I feel like if it... If, it, if they hadn't have had Leia and Luke kiss... Right two times um then i feel like it wouldn't be as noticeable and i feel like i do feel like having han be confused because if you just think about it han is so confused the entire movie because just by what leia's doing so leia you know kisses him before the very end and like you know she acts like she wants him but then she has an interaction with luke on the bridge and so han's like okay she looks like she's doing something with Luke. I want to know about it. She's like, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. And I know you thought, I mean, that it's like Luke's business. Right. And that's why he, she wasn't going to tell him. But then she says, hold me. So he's like, okay, I feel like they just had an intimate moment. But now she's wanting me to hold her. I don't understand what's happening. And so he's yeah. just so confused the entire movie. And then at the very end, he's like, really ecstatic because he's like i'm not confused anymore (laughs) i know what's happening see i still think that they could have found a better dynamic like there's nothing wrong with like for instance the harry ron and hermione dynamic from harry potter you're gonna have to explain that one (laughs) right i haven't seen it (laughs) i haven't seen it this guy's in red harry potter um that's fine but basically they're they're just three friends Mm -hmm. and it's like a love triangle and towards the end it becomes this thing of like which one will Hermione choose, and you know which one she's going to choose, but the tension and jealousy is still there from Ron. Mm-hmm. It's basically the Luke, Leia, and Han thing, except they resolve it in a way of like, this is the only logical way for the relationship to end. She would obviously choose this one. Mm-hmm. Not like they don't pull anything that makes previous installments difficult to watch. Right, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, that it does kind of make it a little bit more, eh, which we talked about that last time. Right. But, but the it, only reason a, for that is a scene at the end with Vader. Right. I feel like that could have been done differently. But I feel like there had to be, if we're going to re- remove that, let's say, in our hypothetical rendition of Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, this movie specifically, we have to have something that gets Luke. Luke, that's the tipping point for Luke. He's resisting the dark side, but then he gives in. For a split second, he mm-hmm. gives in, and that's where he defeats Vader. Yeah. What there has to be some sort of trigger that sets him off. I know we're at the very end. So we can kind of come back to that. Yeah. If we want to, just so that we can keep the story going here. Definitely. Um 
But anyway, so you all know, all in all, the reveal is peculiar. Yeah, it is. It is, and <laughs> it's kind of funny how um, Obi Wan tells Luke, "That's why your sister remains safely anonymous." And Luke's like, <laughs> "Leia," <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's like, oh, you yes. just blew it now, Luke. Somehow the Emperor is gonna know. Great job. Dumb. Um, so there's some stuff with Yoda and Luke that I found interesting mm-hmm. um, where he doesn't want to tell... Y- Yoda says that it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that Luke... Whenever Luke tells him, oh, hey, is Vader my father? He's like, yes, he is. Did Vader tell you? He said, yeah. And he's like, that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Because Yoda still thinks, that's not how the way you're supposed to find out. Yeah. You went... Oh, I think the more and more I think about this... The more and more I think that the, this may be unpopular, but that the duel on episode, in episode five on Bespin uh-huh. is like him going off the path yeah, of what the Force had for him. So Yoda is not saying that you're that you're derailed. You just took a massive detour that completely screwed things up for a little bit and made things much harder on him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Now I don't know what would have happened with Han. I, I honestly think that the entire thing would have stayed the same except for Leia not yelling at him on Bespin mm-hmm. and then they would have just left and had to have met up with Luke somewhere else and it would have been completely fine yeah. and then Vader would have just been sitting there for the longest time mm-hmm. but it does I mean then Luke wouldn't have found out that it was his father and it, it would have anyway that's off topic but it is it is interesting that Yoda still thinks that's unfortunate mm-hmm. because he's like this could have been different yeah. Different how, he doesn't know. Um, Yoda also warns him that uh, the Emperor is powerful, which the thing, the more we watch these movies and dissect them, the more we like the prequels yeah. because they pay it off because Yoda would be the best person to tell Luke not to underestimate the Emperor because he fought him Definitely. and lost. Huh? Um, so that was also interesting. And then Yoda says that um, he's the one who tells him that there's another Skywalker and that kind of sets up that, right. that uh, conversation. Um, and that brings us to the Rebel Fleet. Yes, and there's aliens in the Rebel Fleet, finally. <laughs> yes. There's finally people that aren't humans, and it's super nice. Yes, it is. It's a nice, uh, it's refreshing. We all get tired of humans. So, <laughs> right. So, let's just talk about, uh, nitty-gritty, uh, military stuff. Not really, just, like, distinguishments. Um, Lando is put in charge of the fighter fleet, the fighter tax force. Um, Han See, leads. If I was a military general, I probably wouldn't put the gambler who owned a mining facility <laughs> in charge. You're like, I'm just saying, if he's fought with me for less than a year, and the only recommendation for him that I had was some guy that scammed him out of his ship once, mm-hmm. I don't think I would promote him. To but he mentions the fleet. he mentions that he pulled a maneuver on one certain battle, and he and he proved himself in a battle. True. So I think that that's a little bit better. It's a one battle. I don't. Mm, but the problem That's is... That's an epic... That doesn't make any sense. Main character, he's exempt. It doesn't make any sense because how would he have proved himself if he's been on Tatooine since episode 5? And Does which battle did he... episode 5? I feel like that just implies that he spent less time at Jabba's palace than a year. Oh. Well, because he, he leaves was... to go to Tatooine right as... Oh, him and Chewbacca yeah. leave. But I... not Leia! But why is... That makes it even less sense. Yeah, because at the end of episode five, Lando and Chewbacca go to Tatooine. That doesn't make any sense. Why does... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway. We can't talk about the plan. No, we're anymore. not going to talk about that. 
So Lando's a general. Doesn't make much sense, but he's a main character, so he, I'll excuse he's it. the he's the fire fighter pilot. Han recommends him. You know, yes. Han carries a lot of weight within the rebellion, so maybe they're mm-hmm. just like, okay, this guy can do it. Yeah. He he leads it. Uh, Han leads the ground assault, and Admiral Akbar um, leads the entire fleet. Correct. But he gives Lando a lot of leeway to make decisions, mm-hmm. which is interesting to me. He's usually yeah. from the old military style, Republic style uh, tactics. Um, it's usually like, you know, the Admiral from the Clone Wars is like, okay, this fleet do this, and you're under my immediate command, but they kind of let everybody do their own plan. Yeah. Um, they leave on a stolen Imperial shuttle. Uh, Lando and Han have a conversation about Lando using the Falcon. He promises to bring it back safely, mm-hmm. and they're off. So, uh, Han, Leia, Luke, and Chewie are leading the ground assault with a bunch of soldiers. Luke, uh, Leia, and Chewie agree to go, or volunteer to go with Han. Yeah. Uh, because Luke comes back to the fleet after he has his conversation with Obi-Wan. Uh-huh. And they go towards Endor, and because they found out that the... I'm completely skipping something. That's um, <laughs> The Rebel Alliance has now been told that the, the Empire has... Wow, I can't talk today. You can't think... Um, the Empire has a new Death Star. It has a new Death Star, but also it has a shield generator. Correct. Surrounding the Death Star. And many Bothans died to bring them that information. Oh, many, many Bothans died. Many. Many Bothans died. <laughs> Sounds like the portal lady. Um, <laughs> so they leave, and they go towards Endor to destroy... Their goal was to destroy the shield generator that's protecting the Death Star. Um, yeah. And they have to first pass through... Vader's command ship, which is called the Executor, I think. I believe so. Uh, and as they fly past, Vader senses Luke, just like he did at the end of Episode Five. And Luke knows, realizes he's endangered the mission, and he says he shouldn't have come. Vader waves him through, and the rebels land without incident. But then Vader prepares his shuttle and flies down to Endor. So you know that he knows. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. It reinforces the connection between them and the bond that they share. It brings it back into play, I feel like, because yeah. it was very prominent at the end of episode five, but mm-hmm. we don't see it again until now. Right. And Which, it works really well when they introduce it again. Right, and then we, we had mentioned that the Emperor, who is arguably the main villain in this movie, isn't introduced until 40 minutes into the film. Right. The Emperor, because of all the s- stuff at Jabba's, mm-hmm. the main villain of the movie doesn't appear until 40 minutes in. Right. Which is an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty late to introduce a brand new character. 40 minutes into the last installment. Mm-hmm. And Vader lets them through. He knows that Luke's there. Yeah, but he lets them through He lets them through anyway. And then he follows them down to the surface, subtly. Mm-hmm. And the something that we didn't mention is that the Emperor got there mm-hmm. on the Death Star. Right. And he tells... Vader, he's like, okay, I'm here. I know you want to resume the search for Skywalker, but he'll come to you. Everything's going as I have foreseen. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, they Luke and them land on the planet and everything, but there's a scene with Vader and the Emperor. And he gives him information, and the Emperor's kind of annoyed. He's like, I told you to stay on your command ship. Like, mm-hmm. there's something happening here I don't want you to know about. It's never se- you never see anything, but anyway. It's the cloning. Right, it's probably the cloning. It's probably what the weird <laughs> advisors were talking about, which, again, what the crap are they doing there? Probably advising, but nothing is ever said about them. Right. So, 
Anyway, they have a conversation, and the Emperor says he knows that there was an infiltration. He knows um, what they're going to try to do, and later on we find out he knew the entire thing. He tipped him off. Whatever. So, yeah. down on the planet's surface, Han, you know, tries to sneak up on some soldiers. Doesn't go very well. <laughs> right at the gate. Right. And then, in order, in order for uh, the Empire not to know they're there, in their minds, because they don't know that they know, uh-huh. um, Leia and Luke chase the stormtroopers and it is a very cool chase scene it's a cool chase scene um i went into the movie watch rewatching it thinking that the scene was a little long i think it's fine yeah uh, i think it was just me being bored as a kid and like okay this is cool but what about a lightsaber because again <laughs> luke has his lightsaber and he doesn't use it until after he's on the ground true so him and luke gets er, wow him and leia get separated uh-huh. um and they are led to believe after Luke deals with the speeders, he meets up back up with Han. They don't know where she is. He has uh, Luke has Leia's helmet. They find a crash speeder. Doesn't look good. Right. Okay. Leia. But instead of dying, Leia gets adopted by mm-hmm. a teddy bear. Yes. Yes, she does. With a tiny stick. It's like reverse build a bear. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not like reverse build a bear, Josiah. Yes, it is. That's. Yes, it is. I feel like Build-A-Bear is where you build a tiny creature from scratch lovingly but you would, and then you, but adopt, you adopt it. it. I feel like the opposite of that is You know you know the you know the you know the gist. I feel like the opposite of that is just tearing something to shreds with as much malice <laughs> as possible. But it'd be the teddy bear shredding people who could <laughs> build a bear to shreds in a hateful manner. Because you can't really do that in a loving manner, first of all. Right. No, but you know what I mean. Yes. The, the, Te- technically, the yes. apprentice has become the master. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but they give Wicket. That's the Ewok's name. Uh, Never Ewok. An Ewok. His name. Right. Um, an Ewok meets Leia mm-hmm. um, after she jumps off the speeder bike or whatever, mm-hmm. and then um, some Imperial troopers come up, and Wicket helps her escape. And they give him an immediate purpose, which that way he's not just kind of like a character to give Leia something to do. Yeah, he's a good character on his own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's legitimately good, and and he's useful. Just like episode five, he's introduced really well. So is the Emperor, Mm -hmm. honestly. He's just introduced late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The heroes get caught in a trap because there is a hog (laughs) on a pike. A literal dead animal on a stick. And she was like, that all of them run into. Do you want to know what's funny about that? Han says exactly what I'm thinking. I don't get it. <laughs> he just looks at me and goes, I don't get it. <laughs> it's like, I don't what understand. What possibly mean? It's almost like that's what he said whenever he walked up to it and he didn't know what was going to happen. He's like, George, I don't get it. <laughs> like, what, what, is, what is happening here? See, between the nonsense plan at the beginning and them all running into what is very clearly a trap, it's difficult to take the heroes seriously in this right. one. They feel a bit dumb at times. I don't know. I even wrote... Right below that, Luke is stupid. I wrote that down because Luke literally <laughs> does a sequence of things that is fairly stupid. He doesn't use his lightsaber with the speeders. He just is an idiot the entire time. Because after they get captured, yeah. he says, hey, give them your weapons. And that's before we even know that there's possibly a way out. Right, he before... just surrenders his weapons right. instantly. Right. It's right before C-3PO is seen as a god, but he doesn't know that's coming. Right. Luke has no idea. He's like, hey... Give them your weapons because we don't want to die. But if we give them our weapons, we don't have a way to defend ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah. This entire movie kind of feels like it's weighed down by having to finish everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it spent so much time doing that that it had to tie up all the loose ends that the previous two movies had thrown at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This movie is a good movie. It just feels like they have to spend so much time wrapping everything up. And it feels like the movie is about one revision away from being done. Right, there's a couple things they would have... I feel like if somebody else would have come in, Mm -hmm. they would have only cut a couple things. But then added a couple of new things Mm -hmm. to make it more flow easier and not be like 40 minutes at the beginning of something that doesn't really matter in the end if Uh you just did it a different way for Hans back in the movie. Yeah. Um... See, it's yeah. well done, but I feel like the draft needs, like, one more revision. I don't know. The movie feels unpolished in some places, mm-hmm. and I'm not quite sure why. Yeah. So, yeah, they get captured and taken back to the Ewoks and city they're, they're about to be sacrificed. Yes. They're going to be burnt alive for the sake of the Ewoks' new god, and C-3PO. I know we talked about how Leia um, isn't tied up. Right. But that's just because she right. wasn't with the god, and they're just like, okay, you came separately from here. We have enough of these guys. Yeah. We're fine. You're a good person. So the Ewoks aren't savages. They are, they're in a way, but they're very selective with their savagery. <laughs> right. They're selective savages. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then R2 is the one that frees them originally from the trap, and C-3PO is the one right. who saves their lives in the long run. Mm-hmm. But then Luke uses the Force on C-3PO to make him float around, which gives credence to his claim to be a deity. And it's a very neat way of giving the droids stuff to do in this movie. Yes. They're not just there bumbling around. Right. Which they do, but in nice ways. They do in consequential ways. <laughs> and then they have a recap that C-3PO does. Yes. Which is just like awesome. Just like Olaf in Frozen 2. Yes. He sarcastically recaps. That's where they got it. Everything up to this point. Probably, they, they, they probably got it, you know, 30 what like 37 years after you know that's where they got their ideas from because where star wars got its ideas yes i feel like it's probably the other way around i feel like i don't know why you brought it up then uh because it's very thematically similar Mm. (laughs) because in this scene c3po is startlingly like him and he summarizes yes. it very quickly in a humorous way because and with, the Ewoks are laughing with a soundboard. Yes, he has a, a soundboard, <laughs> different sound effects, and I will have you know that he jumps from the duel between Obi Wan and Vader in four to what just happened that day in about four sentences. But I guess it makes sense because we don't speak Ewokese and we can only go off of the it's like sound a, effects. It's like emotions. a total cartoon. Yes, it is. But it's something C-3PO would do. It is. And which it works is really well. Exactly. It's, just, it's funny. It is funny. It's it's hilarious. Um, Luke and Leia's interaction on the bridge is... It's a ride. Oh, man. <laughs> it's... They, it is a they... <laughs> r- absolute roller coaster. <laughs> There's so much. Oh, it so just much. doesn't make... Like, whenever Leia comes up to him, mm-hmm. she's like, Luke. He's like... Do you remember your mother? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, okay, wait, hold on, hold on. I know we've no known each other for a while. No one has ever started a conversation with, do you remember your dead mother? No, he says, do you remember your mother? Your real mother? Like, as if he knows Oof. that Bail Organa's wife is in her mom. Yeah. Which, that's, 
That's a good point. Why does he say your real mother? He, surely he had to have known. Which would make sense, but then I also mean, so, let's, we're going to talk about, you know, that basically what happens in this conversation is Luke asks Leia mm-hmm. what she remembers about her mother. Which is a lot, apparently. Which is a lot more than he does, and that got me thinking. I'm like, okay, how does Leia, because she says she was beautiful, kind, but sad. She had, like, a kind look, but she was also sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but Luke remembers nothing. Yeah. They were born at the same time. Right. And it doesn't, and they were newborns. Mm-hmm. They In the movie Revenge of the Sith, you don't see them look at their mom. I'm just saying, newborns wouldn't remember that in the first place. True, true. But if, even if that was the case, they're looking up the entire time. Yeah. So, but basically what happens is they, they talk about their mom. It turns out it's their mom. And then Luke ends up telling Leia, you know, the force is strong in my family. I have it. My father has it. And my sister has it. And it's you. Mm-hmm. And the way I could think that Leia would have been able to know about Padme is if Bale and his wife had said, look, we are not your real parents. Here is your mom. They showed her a uh, picture of her mom. And that's how she knows. And she must have been when she was very little. Um, And would have been able to see what Padme looked like. It's pretty risky, though. Because if she tells people she's the daughter of Padme Amidala, Darth Vader is going to... They don't have to tell her her name. Just a picture? Just show her a picture. This is who your mother was. She would figure it out eventually. Well, maybe. But then Bale could have warned her. Yeah, that's true. Because Bale was very upfront. Because again, at the in Rogue One, I'm bringing up Rogue One now, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's retroactive. Um, it's fine. He trusts Leia with the mission. She knows everything that's happening within the family. She knows because the bigger thing yeah. that's at risk for everybody is that she has to keep a secret that Bale is involved with the rebellion because true. he's the senator up until Episode Four, where the Emperor disbands the Senate. Mm-hmm. He's the senator there. And he has, she has to keep it a secret, even though the Emperor knows, because we find that out, because he annihilates Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Probably because one of the reasons, because Bale is uh, the senator, and he knows that he's dealing with the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. So I think that she would have seen a picture of her mother, whereas Luke would not have, because they just want, were trying to keep him safe and everything. True. Anyway, besides that... It's possible. It's possible. The, the scene's still a ride. It's still a ride because it's like they they go off of like anyway like Luke says that Vader is his father and Leia says then run away and she <laughs> and Luke's probably like wait why are you telling me to run away that's not gonna fix anything he knows that you're here it's yeah. like that's not gonna fix any of our problems and she says I wish I could go with you and then Luke goes no you don't like yeah, almost in like an accusatory that. way. <laughs> It's like, wait, wait, what makes you think that she doesn't, that doesn't make any sense, unless... It's glorious, It sounds guys. like something that, like, in a guy in a love triangle would say. It's like, I wish I could go with you. No, you don't, because Han's here. But he doesn't say that, because they're related. And <laughs> it doesn't mesh. Should have just been a love okay. triangle, guys. It should have just been a love triangle, and it would have made it a, a lot better. Um, so right after that, Han is jealous of Luke, like we discussed earlier, and he is confused, like all of us. And then we jump into Luke giving himself up, mm-hmm. and the Rebels' assault well, and on the, the new Death Star. And the Phantom Helmet. The, the facing helmet, or yes. whatever, when he phases through the, the bottom of the ship when he's going off the off-ramp. Right. That's a... 
That's a baby nitpick. That's a baby we, nitpick. We think it's funny. I think it's. I don't. I don't think it. Uh, it makes the movie better, in my opinion. Right. It's funny. Yeah. Um. Just like the stormtrooper hitting his head in episode four. Mm-hmm. I. I don't. Yeah. Seriously. It's tradition now. Um. I don't really like. This may be unpopular, but I don't really okay. like the uh, interaction of Luke and Vader in the hallway for really? one reason. Luke acts like he knows what Vader's going to do the entire time. He's like, that's why you're not going to take me to your Emperor now. And that's exactly what Vader ends up doing. And Luke's like, I won't turn and you'll be forced to kill me. And Vader's like, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> He's like, you're, that's probably what's going to happen. Luke just seems so cocky. Like He just thinks that if I just say all the right things and I just act like you're not going to do this... Yeah. Then it'll be fine. But it just it just seems he's right. Yeah, I guess he's right. And then you mentioned what Vader says about the lightsaber. Whenever we were talking about it, about how he thinks that Luke's training is complete. Oh yeah, it was interesting because whereas Yoda says that Luke isn't complete in his training, Yoda says that Luke has enough to defeat Vader. That's all he says. Vader thinks Luke's training is complete. Which just goes to show how much Vader has lost since he became a Sith instead of a Jedi. It shows how much he's forgotten. That he's forgotten how much more there is. That now that he's a Sith, he thinks there's only power. And he's very mistaken. So, I thought that was a very nice detail. Showing the difference between them. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Showing how Anakin had fallen as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Then at this point, Han and Leia... And the rest of them, um, they launch the they attack on the shield generator. Well, the Ewoks say that they will they have agreed to guide the Rebel Strike Force to uh, the shield generator, which is interesting because you know in this movie the Ewoks do everything voluntarily. Yeah, they volunteer everything. They're not coerced into no. dying and being massacred. Right. Like whenever. Right after they're welcomed into the tribe, which is what happens, um, they they offer to be a guide mm-hmm. for Han and the Strike Force. Um, whenever they get to the back door, because the Ewoks are, we're not going to go by the front door, we're going to go to the back door. Mm-hmm. And then one of them just goes off and jumps on a speeder <laughs> by himself. Yeah. And then later on... It's all voluntary. Yeah, it's all, it's all voluntary and everything. The rebels never sacrifice aliens for their... Good for their call right yeah like i was always weirded out by that because i'm like they're just using teddy bears no they're not (laughs) teddy bears is canon because then later so i'll 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 save that for a minute han and them raid the base Mm -hmm. with captain rex yeah okay okay not okay i'm not going to say he's definitely in it but there is one guy he's definitely on the strike force who has a gray beard or a white beard like rex does in rebels like we'll talk about rebels later now <laughs> Rex doesn't work. Rebels doesn't exist. I feel like Rex um, only appeared in the Clone Wars. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's my bad. I, I feel like there's. Only... I just okay. Yeah. So I got the gray beard from the Mandalorian art that was just oh, posted yes. on Dave Filoni's right. Twitter. That's where I got it from. Not right. not Rebels. You must have not... been confusing the only two Star Wars shows, the Clone oh, Wars and Mandalorian. Right. You're yeah, right. It's, it's it's okay. It's a common. I thought mistake. there was another one. I thought there was one called Resist. No. I feel like there were two others. But... We're only going to focus on the canon ones. Right. 
<laughs> okay, so it's not confirmed that he's in it. Um, there's but a guy there that kind of looks like Rex, and it's a popular theory that it is Rex. And it'd be nice. Yeah. It'd be real nice. So I'm going to think it's Rex. Um, he's going to think it's Rex. If we put it to a vote, everyone yeah. thinks it's Rex. Everyone, everyone here currently right. thinks it's Rex. Well, so We're all in agreement. We're all in, a, <laughs> we're all in agreement. Unanimous decision. That makes it true. Yes. <laughs> um, so they raid the base and they get captured because the emperor knew that they were going to be there and he sent his entire legion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like that, too. Just like that. My best troops await them. Um, yeah. And then let's get to that scene. Which Because scene? first, okay, I want to go back to talking about the Ewoks real quick. I'm getting, I'm getting everything okay. out of order. So they get captured and they're brought outside. Yeah. The Ewoks attack voluntarily. Once again. So once again voluntarily. So I just want to bring that full circle that everything that they do in the entire movie is done voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, now Luke is brought up to the Emperor. Yep. And Luke is again acting cocky because he knows that his friends are attacking this thing. And he's basically, one, distracting the Emperor, and mm-hmm. for two, trying to save his dad. So he's doing multiple things at once. So he's like, I got this. Yeah. But then the Emperor's like, oh, you mean the strike for, uh, you mean the rebel fleet? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you mean your team down there? Yeah, I already knew that. I sent an entire legion of my best troops to capture them. And I was the one who told the Rebel Alliance about the Death Star mm-hmm. and tipped them off. And so they so, lured them there and destroyed them all. Right. All in one fell swoop. Good plan. It's a, good, it was a great plan. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the teddy bears. You didn't think about right. it. Right. Classic Which, blunder. Classic <laughs> gets you every time. One, one of the classic <laughs> blunders. <laughs> exactly. Um, Never getting involved but... in the land war in Asia. <laughs> yes. Okay, sorry, we can continue. Oh. <laughs> um, in that scene, you mentioned that the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Shows so many layers of his character. Yes, he is so he has such range, so much personality. Mm-hmm. He does so many things. Like he's sarcastic, he's sincere, he's triumphant, he's proud. He has just enough sense of humor in mocking Luke that you understand that he's like a normal human being, not just a force of pure evil, like Vader. Right, like, uh, an imposing force of evil that later, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. It's done really well. He's not one-dimensional, and they make the most of him. You know, he just has so much range. It's Mm -hmm. honestly really impressive how much range the Emperor gets in such a short amount of time. He is seriously underrated, and people write him off as this one-dimensional guy. He's he's really not. If you just watch a couple scenes of him, you understand that... Mm -hmm. He's played with so many layers. Right, and I wrote that down. At first I said, though, the Emperor isn't crazy overpowered. Right. Okay, we're not going to talk about that. No. <laughs> you guys know what we're talking about. We're not going to mention it. So, uh, uh, if only there was another evil emperor for oh, we could point to. Man, that, that, was a, that was a bad one. If only we could point to the other scenes of Palpatine. <laughs> show how overpowered he was. Right. No, don't worry, guys. Eventually, we will talk about... We'll talk about all of the... We'll all talk of about them. betraying characters. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that. Yeah, he shows so much depth in, like, two minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, more depth than a lot of other characters throughout the entire saga right. show and throughout their entire screen time. Yeah. Um, you know who else has a bunch of depth in a short amount of time? Admiral Akbar. 
Oh. He's not just a meme, guys. He's an effective military general. He's a good leader. He's legitimately good. Right. Like, people can like him for reasons other than him being a meme. Because he's just legitimately a good character and legitimately mm-hmm. a competent military general who is good at leading the attack. Except for we did notice one thing. We did? Why is the medical frigate there? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't understand why they brought their floating hospital to the battle. That doesn't make sense to me. The only thing that I could think of is that they're like, if we don't have a fleet and we don't have an army anymore, then we won't need this. That's true. But also, I think it's also there. I think, yeah. (laughs) Just bring it all. Just bring everything. Because it has forward guns, I assume. Maybe. But do we ever see, like, the the starships fire? I don't think we do. Oh, no. I think they just fly around and get shot. (laughs) (laughs) So Akbar's like, that seems good. Yes. That's good. It's it's slightly less (laughs) fatal trap. (laughs) Right. But it is also to show the le- the ruthlessness of the Empire. That yeah. they're go- like he mentions they're going for the medical frigate. Mm-hmm. They know it's a medical frigate, and that's why they're going for it. Like right. they're just so cruel, mm-hmm. and like they know that if they hit them where it hurts, uh, with their wounded, <laughs> yeah, like that's just so that just you know kind of is unnerving that mm-hmm. that's what they would go for at first. True, true. Um, back on Endor, you know they got captured and the Ewoks rescue them, right? And then Han and Leia have to figure out a way to get inside of the uh, racial base thing. And they try to use R2-D2, and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So Han says, I guess I'll have to hotwire it. And it makes sense because, again, this is retroactive, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't even know if that's the right word. Maybe the other, the opposite of retroactive? I don't know. I feel like it is retroactive. Okay, retroactive. Uh, Because in Solo, he knows how to hotwire things. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense why Han's there hot-wiring something because he knows how to do something like that. Yes. Um, except for he screws it up. And he does... <laughs> he <laughs> and actually, closes the blast doors. Yes, he closes the blast doors. Um, and during this, the Ewoks are fighting the Empire. Mm-hmm. And they have so many clever ideas. You know, they fly. They have tiny catapults. They have gigantic wooden trunks to smash them together. They have slingshots. They have wood logs for them to trip on. So many good ideas, and it wasn't just to sell toys either. It's legitimately good storytelling and clever uses of the environment. It also hammers home the theme that he really wanted to hammer home, which was uh, nature versus technology, which is something that he talked about, well, not something that he talked about, something that he demonstrated in A New Hope when he had Luke not rely on technology and rely on the Force. Regardless of what you think about it, it's conveyed well. And I feel like there was something else, and it was in my um, head, and I don't remember it. It had something to do with what I was just talking about. Hmm. Yeah. Dang. I don't know. That's gonna bother me. Um, there's something else that I want to talk about. Um, Luke is growing into his destiny as a Jedi. That's shown Perfect. with the amount he starts to use his lightsaber. Yeah. Um... In episode five, again, we talked about it. Um, he starts to go for his lightsaber first. Uh-huh. Um, even though he has a blaster. As the movie goes on, he does it more and more. Mm-hmm. But then in episode six, he only has a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And yes, he forces the blaster from the guy in episode six. just because he didn't have his lightsaber. True. Even if it doesn't make sense, he didn't have it. <laughs> so that's why he went for the blaster. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting how... 
he just is like, okay, no, I ha- even though it's uncomfortable, I have to use this lightsaber more and more because it's part of who I am now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, That's I don't know if you remembered your... I did, actually. Okay. Um, It's neat that the Empire, the superior, larger military force with superior technology, is defeated by the Ewoks, who are lesser in number with inferior technology. And that's simply because the Empire does not know how to fight against them, and they underestimated them. It's really neat. It's a neat layer of strategy. And it is this thing of... That's how wars in the real world are often fought mm-hmm. with gigantic military superpowers with better weaponry and technology going up against smaller nations that fight them with sticks. And the ones with the sticks end up winning more often than not simply because they're the ones who've adapted and chosen to fight wars in ways that are efficient, not the way wars are traditionally fought. Right. So, it seems absurd, but when you look at history, there are plenty of examples even within the last hundred years of big military superpowers getting beaten by smaller, weaker, technologically inferior opponents. Right. Food for thought. Food for thought. Food for thought. This isn't in the past hundred years, but the British and the Americans. Right. The British and literally everybody. (laughs) (laughs) The Haitians, the French and the Haitians. Everyone. uh, Just, just, they just don't know how to fight a war and... Oh, no. Well... They know how to fight wars, just not in the Western Hemisphere. Right. Because there's yellow fever and all this other stuff. That's off topic. Off topic. But we can dive down that route. I want us to have a moment of silence for Nanta. Yes. Um, That's what I was looking for. I'm going to give a synopsis of Nanta, and we're going to have exactly one minute of silence. What? Uh, so that's a long time <laughs> we're gonna have a moment of silence <laughs> Nanta was a male Ewok native to the forest moon of Endor who fought against the imperial forces who were occupying the moon during the battle of Endor Nanta was shot and killed by a laser blast from an ATSD alright and we're back so uh <laughs> that uh Nanta was a was a good was a great warrior and a good friend. Yes, um, I knew him personally. Personally, uh, in my nightmares as a kid, right? Because all I can think of because I thought I always thought he was a girl because yeah. the the other Ewok would walk up and shake him and be, I thought he was saying "mama," like that's what it sounds like right. the Ewok is saying. Uh-huh. But it starts shaking it. And it doesn't like a dude. And if you look off to the side, it looks like a piece of like its heart or something is on fire. Yikes! That's and it. that that was in my nightmares as a child. Hmm. Um. But yeah, he, he he's dead. He's definitely important to the story. But we had to talk about him. Honestly. We we did, and I'm glad yeah. that we found him. So when you said a moment of silence, I thought you said a minute of silence. I thought you were literally just going to have a sit here oh, I did. for a minute. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, that is... I was just going to add it in later. That... <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now that you said that, I can't Sorry, do it. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> ignore that. Ignore ignore that. 
Anyway. Oh, no, I wasn't going to add it in there. <laughs> I just wanted to, everyone to expect a moment, of, a minute of silence, yes. and then it not be a minute of silence, and you did. It's a trap. It's a trap. The music in this movie is really good. It's it's all quite the bop. Highly recommend it <laughs> to anyone. It's quite just, the bop. If you're just looking for some good music. Especially the Ewok scene. Yes. With the, with the flautist. Uh-huh. Well, flautist. I don't even think that's a flute. Yes, it is. By the way, this is a tangent. Great. Baby Ewoks make this movie Are adorable. Outstanding. They're adorable and really cute. And given more screen time, they would rival Baby Yoda. Fight me. Um, <laughs> the Death Star works. It's not unfinished. It is super finished. And it mm-hmm. can shoot laser beams. Yeah, it can. Quicker than the first one, too. Well, let's we can uh, let's uh, let's go back a tiny bit. Oh, okay. Um, the rebel fleet appears first of all. Oh, shit. <laughs> we forgot to say that. I feel they, like we implied that. They, the I rebel feel like fleet we implied appears, that yes, once. and they find that the shield is still operational, and they found that they've fallen into a trap because, mm-hmm. on one on the one hand, they start to attack the Death Star. Lando figures out, oh, the shield's still up, even though nobody could tell that the shield was up because they they had like a like fog, whatever the yes. technical word for like technology fog is uh jamming jamming yeah so they jam the signals and everything and they turn around to find that there's a whole fleet of star destroyers Uh coming at them very well done and there's not too many star destroyers either there's a decent amount but not an unrealistic amount because we talked about this how in another movie right which i'm not going to completely slam that part because it was cool in my opinion just because of the sheer Mm. amount of numbers but whenever you think about it, it doesn't make sense right um Whenever you have too many ships, mm-hmm. then it becomes that if the heroes get out of this, then those ships weren't a threat in the first place. Right. So whenever like TIE fighters are chasing the Millennium Falcon through the asteroid field in Episode 5, if you make in Episode 6 hundreds of them with a tiny rebel fleet in comparison, and they just destroy all of them, yeah. then it makes them not a threat. Whenever you go back and watch Episode 5, you're like, oh, that, that's no problem. Exactly. But they did it in a way to where it's believable, but also foreboding mm-hmm. for them. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is this is insane. It ups the threat level in a realistic way. Mm-hmm. Not yes. an overwhelmingly unrealistic amount. Because mm-hmm. if you do it too much, the audience won't care. Right. But this movie does it just enough for it to feel like a threat and feel like they're overwhelmed. And it also feels plausible that it could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And then whenever the Imperial fleet gets there, mm-hmm. they don't fire. Nope, they just kind of chill there. They just kind of chill there mm-hmm. because they're just waiting. Yep, on uh, on the Emperor's signal for the Death Star to fire its first blast, and they were like, the rebels are just completely taken aback because they're like, it doesn't look completed though. We were told this isn't completed, but it is. But the Emperor secretly uh, had it completed, I guess. What a twist! Um, well, yeah, you wouldn't expect that from somebody who's you know the most open person in the world, right? <laughs> Right. He tells everybody their plan. He definitely didn't have a plan for like what thirteen years in the first tri- in, the, in the second trilogy. Yeah, um, the prequel good, trilogy. Good point. Um, but back on the planet's surface, mm-hmm. um, they destroy. They end up destroying the shield generator successfully, and that's where we'll leave them. Right, because that's really all that they have to do now. Han, yeah. Leia, Chewbacca, all of them are just done for now. Mm-hmm. Um, makes it easier. So then. Lando and them realize, okay, we can attack this thing. So, but first we got to go back to 
to talk about Luke and Vader. Right. So we gotta bring that up to speed. Uh-huh. So Luke has been watching out the window with Vader and Palpatine, the duel. Uh, or, or, wow, the, the fight that's happening outside. Right. The fleets. Um, the fleets. The fleets fight not outside the, the window, um, not the duel. Um, the Emperor has Luke's lightsaber on his chair mm-hmm. on the arm, and you know, the Emperor's kind of egging him on. Of yeah. like, you're not gonna make it out of this. Your friends are gonna die. You're gonna die or turn. This is not good. Mm-hmm. And then he tells him to strike him down. And Luke forces the lightsaber, turns around, and then Vader crosses blades with him, and that's where the duel starts. Mm-hmm. They duel for a while. You mentioned that Luke kicks Vader down the stairs, just like he does in Episode Five. Correct. Um, they have you know some cool moments where mm-hmm. Luke ends up on top, and they have a conversation. And then Vader throws his lightsaber at at Luke and hits the thing that Luke's on and he falls down. Yeah. And then it goes back to Endor, but before I covered that, uh-huh. then it comes back around. Yep. To the scene we alluded to earlier. Right. Vader and Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, I can kind of finish that up and then we can talk about, you can talk about the end part with the Emperor. Um, yeah. So, as Luke is hiding, Luke hides from Vader. Uh-huh. And Vader starts strolling through where Luke's hiding underneath like a platform. So there's like pillars where Luke's, hi- Luke's behind, hiding behind one of them. Uh-huh. And Vader starts talking. And Vader says, it's useless to resist. Luke says, I will not fight you. And then Vader starts to go down this, you know, sentence of like, okay, so you're hiding something. Your feelings betray you. Oh, you have a twin sister. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. If you won't turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. And that's what ter- makes Luke yell never and charge Vader. He gives in to the dark side, mm. um, which is something that like a lot of people miss because I missed it at first. Whenever I first watched it, I didn't realize he actually gave himself over. But he gives himself over to the dark side for a brief moment, mm-hmm. attacks Vader, and then cuts off. Eventually, he pushes him back towards where the elevator is, and he just knocks Vader down. He just keeps hitting his lightsaber, and then he cuts off Vader's hand. Mm-hmm. And that's where Luke is kind of shocked to find that it's like just wires yeah just I was like, like he like he seems a little shocked that it's like he doesn't understand just how obi-wan when obi-wan said um he's more machine now than man mm. he didn't really understand that that meant like almost all of him is machine yeah um so and that's where he realizes he cut off the same hand that vader had cut off in episode five and he just kind of looks at his hand as the emperor Super eggs him neat. on and then he stops mm-hmm. Um, and this is where we talked about having an alternate ending for this with the Emperor and everything because of the stakes set with the fleet and everything. Uh, yeah. I remember that. So, my deal is that they kill the Emperor way too soon. Like, I like that he dies. I like the way that he dies. But think about it this way. The Death Star is not the main villain of the movie. The Emperor is the main villain of the movie. We've seen before that if the Death Star's destroyed and the Emperor's alive, he'll just build another one. So we don't really care as an audience if the Death Star gets destroyed or not. We just want the Emperor to die. Because if the Emperor dies and Vader dies or turns good, then the Death Star goes over to who? Some random general that we don't know? Well, at that point, we can assume that the Empire will just fight over who gets the Death Star and destroy itself, never using the Death Star for anything substantial. So, we as the audience don't care about the Death Star being destroyed. We just want Palpatine dead. 
The problem is that Palpatine dies 16 minutes before the movie ends. The rest of the movie tries to skid by on the tension of whether or not they'll destroy the Death Star, which is what we as an audience don't really care about anymore. Because we know once Palpatine's dead, it doesn't matter. The Empire is dead, because the Empire was dependent on Palpatine. Now it doesn't have any roots. Mm -hmm. What I would have done differently is simply have them deliver the final blow to the Death Star sooner. Have it not all blow up at once, and have it start a chain reaction to where the threat of the Death Star exploding becomes greater and greater the longer they stay. Then, after that, with the tension mounting, have Palpatine have his final encounter with Luke and Vader. That way we save the true climax of the movie, facing off against the final villain, at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. That way, we just have to skid by the last five, six minutes of the movie. Have Vader get redeemed, and then have them celebrate. As it is now, Palpatine dies really soon, and it kind of deflates the tension at the end. Mm -hmm. It's a weird choice. Yeah, yeah, because once you really defeat the bad guy, it's like, okay, they're going to destroy the Death Star. Right. Like, we know that they're going to, because everything's fallen into place. There's no tension anymore. Right. Um, whereas you'd have the tension of, will Luke escape? Right. But also, see, if you damage the Death Star and then it's going to explode, then the Death Star being destroyed becomes a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes an, a weapon against Luke and Vader. It becomes a ticking time bomb for them. And it ups the tension of every scene past that point. Mm -hmm. Would have been interesting. Yeah, would have been an interesting twist. I, I think that's fine the way it is now. Yeah. But I do think it could have been better. Definitely. Um, so, you know, Luke refuses to kill his dad. Uh -huh. uh, the Emperor says, okay, well then I'm going to kill you. Mm -hmm. Starts electrocuting him. Um, and the, I, it looks like Vader's like, whenever the Emperor says, I'm going to kill you now, he's like, I'm sorry, you will die. Mm -hmm. Vader's shocked almost. Yeah. Like he didn't think that, he thought that he was going to pull like, because uh, Palpatine has said this before, he's tortured people into submission. Yeah. That's what Vader thinks he's going to do. He's going to, he's like, yeah, my son's going to be in pain, but he's going to live. Mm -hmm. But instead, the Emperor's like, okay, I'm going to kill you now. Right. And Vader's like, no, that's not going to happen. Luke, Luke, well, because Luke's pleading with him, and Vader's like, okay. So he picks up the Emperor, tosses him over, mm. blows up. Yeah. Okay, he blows up. He dies. He dies. <laughs> um, he dies, everyone. He's dead forever. Permanently. Uh, permanently, if not more permanent. Yes. Um, and then Vader is dying now because the electrical thing, I think, the electrical thing... Uh, electricity went through the wires in his open wound mm -hmm. and kind of electrocuted him. Yeah. And then, side note, um, whenever the Emperor is electrocuting you, Luke, uh, his hand is electrocuted by itself and it's all uh -huh. of a sudden not working. I yes. just noticed that whenever we watched it right before we did this. His robot hand reacts differently than the rest of them too. Right. And it, it's super It locks up. Cool. It locks up and has electricity specifically going in and out of it. Mm -hmm. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, Neat touch. Yeah, it was that was a nice touch. Um, and then... So the Death Star is kind of falling apart as far as personnel. They're kind of all freaking out at this point. Yeah. Um, Luke drags Vader to the shuttle. Mm. He take, Vader asks him to take off the mask that we can see with his own eyes. He takes it off. And Vader, this is where you had a problem. Yeah, actually. Um, so I'll let you take it from here. Don't have time for a huge conversation about it, mm -hmm. but just basically my thoughts on the matter. So Vader chooses to kill Palpatine not because he's good, per se, but because he wants his son to live. 
That's not an inherently I am turning into a good person thing. He tells Luke, you were right about me. You believed there was goodness in me. But here's the thing. Vader, you could make the argument that Vader doesn't get redeemed. Because he does one good thing to make up for like 20 years worth of evil and torture and death and blowing up entire systems. And all he does is save his son. You can make the argument that had Vader lived, he would have just pulled a Kylo Ren and said, cool, now we can both rule the Empire together. You don't get the indication necessarily outside of Vader saying, you were right about me, there's good in me, Mm -hmm. that he would have truly turned his life around. There's a chance, but there's no guarantees. There's admittedly a high chance. There is a a chance, yeah, because he, he... there's no reason for him not to say that. Mm-hmm. And also, we're led to believe that, you know, we're going to believe him whenever he says that. That we want to believe that Luke was right. Yeah. Um, which is... And he does appear know. as a force ghost at the end. Mm-hmm. But it is this thing of Vader does one good thing, and we call it a redemption. I think with the force, it's more of like an internal decision of, Correct. I'm turning away from the dark side. So as far as the force goes, he has been redeemed. As yeah. far as in our eyes, as the audience... Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much. See, I think the best redemptions are like Zuko's, where they spend the rest of their life being good. This is Avatar? Yes. Just clarifying for people like me who haven't seen it yet. Avatar The Last Airbender, everyone. Zuko, full spoilers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just the, good, the best redemptions have them living differently, right. not dying as soon as they've turned good. Mm-hmm. It would have been a very interesting ending to see Vader stay good and stay alive. Mm-hmm. That would have been a massively different ending than the one that we got. And you can argue that that would have been a true redemption, a true turning one's life around, instead of merely throwing it away for the sake of one's family. Like, if he showed up at the celebration on Indoor, Right. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine how different the movie would feel, guys? Oh, man. Can you imagine if it ended with Vader being there with everyone else? It feel, But I feel like, again, they're, imagine. Trying to, they're trying to end the movie, and everyone's, like, apprehensive that Vader's there. I think that if they all accepted Vader, it would be incredible. It'd be incredible, but then also kind of... I, I could see some people being like, you kind of just cheapen the entire thing. I could see some I people. I, see, I could see some people thinking that because Depends Vader has done horrible things to them. Right, but it would be the start of something new. Right, that's yes. what would make it. I dirty. think it. I think it could work if they worked at it. And, and really then the they could have through. used the stuff with Leia actually being his daughter. They could have actually had a scene where the two interacted with that knowledge. after Episode Four, which they interact a little bit in Episode Five, the but there's minimum. not. Yeah, but there's not a conversation between them. Like in episode four. Think of how incredible it would be if episode six ended with Vader going back with Luke, being there at the celebration, and one of the final shots of the movie... Just Leia looking at... Was, yeah, it was like Leia, Han, Man. Luke, and Vader all there together. Would that not have arguably been a better redemption story? I think it is. I think at the very least, I think it, for one, creates more problems than it solves. Uh, that would that would, would have they would fix them. Mm-hmm. I feel like yes. it is definitely an alternate ending that mm-hmm. we could explore um, because that is an interesting ending. Because I didn't go quite that far whenever you said whenever you brought that up. Yeah. But anyway, so then it'd be amazing. Yeah. So then after that, uh, they go down. Back, uh, Luke goes down with his dad's body uh, to Endor. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yes. Um, he's dead. He burns him on a pyre whenever he gets there, and they have a massive celebration. And that is the end of Star Wars. 
Yeah. Um, episode six. Um, and it is very good. Episode is, is six, good. you definitely get the vibe that they wrote themselves into corners at times, like with Java mm-hmm. or the Emperor or having to wrap up everything. You get the vibe that the movie is in need of about one more revision. But all in all, it's a very good movie. Right. I know we were harsh on it, but it's at least a solid it's 8 a out job. of 10. Right. I thought it's our job to be critical of movies that we really do enjoy. Right. We praised it. We criticized it. It's a good movie, guys. And right. it's definitely a good ending to a trilogy. It's one of my favorites. Definitely. Um, so yeah, that's Return of the Jedi. Um, I hope if you like this one, you'll share it with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that would really help. And I also would encourage you to go to our website. Yeah. Um, we have new stuff posted. Um, hopefully, we'll start getting it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, more than that, but we're trying to do once a week. Um, so, hopefully, we can get that started. Uh, go to our Instagram, our new Instagram, and share that with your friends. Like it. Follow our posts. Um, and until next yeah. time, uh, have a good life. You too. <laughs> okay, now i got to say something to them. Okay. Okay. You guys have a good life. Devin's already going to have a good life. Yes. So, you guys have it a fantastic life. Right. Regardless of what Devin says, because he is not... Just forget look, he's hey, even look, here. If you look straight at me and tell me to have a good life... I did look right at you. That's, I, that I feel was like I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> yes. Share this with your friends. Please. Um, we're going to be... Next week, we'll be onward. Yeah. So, we're looking onward unto that. It'll be a good time. Um, we yeah. talk about it for almost as long as this. <laughs> yeah. So... It's going to be hype. Yeah. It's going to be hype. So... Have a good life.